Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Michael Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. If you would be so kind as to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. Yeah, sorry, Sister Mom, I, I added a couple. 1 Peter chapter 2. Not going to take Brother Meyer's text from this morning, but pretty close. So for all of you that are here today, there's, there's one thing that we have to make sure we get set before I get started here. The importance of the Word of God. I'm going to use several scriptures this morning, but that's really a moot point if we can't agree that the Bible is the inspired word of God. We're all in agreement with this? All right, good. So you can't blame me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. A couple of key points I want to point out to you. Verse 11, it refers to us as strangers and pilgrims. And in verse 12 it says, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. God bless you, you may be seated. I have some good news for you this morning. You are called. You have been called. And you are in the right place to now get your directions. We live in a day and age um, where Christianity, as I've known it, is under constant attack. Um, Whether it's in our, our schools, whether it's in the media, whether it's in basically anywhere you turn. Okay, it has somewhat in, in the open, but the majority of, of what we deal with is self-imposed fear as Christians. And what I mean by that is many of us live in fear of speaking too much about Jesus for fear we could lose our jobs, lose friends, and in some cases even lose family. So there's a fear that we can sometimes have that's imposed on us and sometimes we can impose it ourselves. Maybe you're afraid that what you say will be taken out of context. That's a pretty common thing right now, right? And now some will think you hate everyone that's not a Christian. Or that you're judgmental, homophobic, or racist. These are very real concerns in this society. And it's a society that, again, we are strangers and pilgrims in. However, it does not seem to be an issue for people that are fine with offending Christians. We cannot let fear of saying the right thing paralyze us from doing the right thing. And it's important that we understand that we have a job to do and we have been called to do it. In fact, Jesus came in Luke 19, it says, to seek and to save that which is lost. 
His commission to us in Mark 16 and verse 15 says, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to every creature, not just the ones that are easy to talk to. That's a tough task. I'm with you. I, I work in, I work in a, I've worked in a lot of places and um, it, there's a variety of colorful people in this world. And I've got a, I have a gamut of them. I'll tell you, God is a God of humor. There's no doubt about it. Um, I work with some really good people. And I work in a place that I've been blessed to work at where the ownership, if, they've, if they have a, one of the owners has some issues with family or whatever, he'll come to me and ask me to pray for him. I've also got a guy next to me that I work with constantly that I, think ever, I don't think he could utter a sentence without cussing. Super nice guy. Doesn't know. But God gives us a variety of people to work with so that we become more well-rounded. And we have an ability to minister to not just one group of people, but all people. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, not just the ones you're compatible with. It's a tough call, but it's, it is the commission. And the important thing to understand is that this commission is not just for pastors. Wow. Well, come on, you can at least say amen to that, right? <laughs> it's not just for pastors. But it's for all of us. See, I kind of figured that would be the reaction in putting this together. But let me, let me give you some, some, uh, some context here for this. Um, in, if you think that God called you to simply sit in the seats and just keep getting fed and not to do anything with what you've been given, you may need another Bible study. And I'll tell you, we have, we have the Jonathan Project going on in back, and I'll tell you, that is a tremendous blessing. For those of you that don't know, our Jonathan Project is we've selected a, a group of men that we are mentoring into positions of leadership, and we'll then em, they are empowered to, to go and lead and minister um, in a way that they haven't been directed before. And one of the things that each of these men has to do is teach a home Bible study. And it is a great joy to sit in there on a Wednesday night and fellowship and learn about the word of God and have it teached back and forth from different viewpoints. But in that same regard, not a lot of us have taught Bible studies. Amen. But again, the Bible is the inspired word of God. And when we continue to refer to it, we continue to find ways that we can be effective, but also an understanding of how we, can, how we need to address certain things in both our, our own lives and to help people through their struggles in their lives. More often than not, it is us who sell ourselves short from what God has really empowered us to do and what message he has given us to deliver. Can I get an amen for that anyway? You sell yourself short. You know, I'm not, I'm not Tony Robbins up here. I'm not here to rah-rah you or anything like that. But I am going to tell you that, that the majority of 
of all of us have far more ability than we give ourselves credit for to deliver what God has given to us. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever taught a home Bible study, exploring God's word, search for truth, anything like that? Okay. How many of you were ever in a home Bible study? The numbers are drastically different, right? Why? Let me address that. See, we live in a world that is, is being overcome by darkness. And I believe it's slowly. I know that some of you would, dis- would disagree with me and you'd say, Ben, this is rapid craziness. The devil does not typically work in rash movements. It's slow, it's methodical, and it's effective. But we live in a world that's slowly being overcome by darkness, but there are people all around us looking for the truth and the light. But what they're being taught is just bringing more confusion. If you've, if you've spoken to anybody in the last, I don't know, five years, you've probably realized that there is a lot of different beliefs out there. We need to be able to share the truth. And that does not mean you need to be a Bible scholar. It's not what it means at all. It means you need to study and be willing to let God speak through you to others. What he's shared, what he's shown you. And you will be amazed at how much you can recall when you're anointed to speak to somebody. Let me give you an example. Now, I have been in the church for as long as I can remember. We're coming up on our 40th anniversary for the church. I was two That makes me 42. So I've been in this for as long as I can remember. When we were in the Christian school, as Brother Meyer was reminiscing this morning a little bit, man, we we had scripture verse every morning. We had to memorize scripture verses. They were in our workbooks. They were in our morning devotions. They were in everything that we did. And I'm amazed now at what I recall or can recall when I'm having a discussion with somebody. So I recently had a discussion with a very good friend of mine who's not in church yet, and we're working on getting together on a Bible study. And there seems to be some conflict. And I spoke with him this, this last week, and he started to talk to me about, well, you know, what, what religions are really true? And I, I paused him there and I said, well, first of all, we are not a religion. Our church is not based on a religion. We are associated with an organization, but we are a relationship-based belief. Amen? Amen. So, so that's the first thing. I said, the second thing is we have to agree that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And when we got on that page, I started to share with him some of the scriptures that were popping into my head. I'm sitting, I'm sitting on my bed. He called me out of the blue. I'm there with my cell phone, and we're just having a discussion. He's telling me, well, you know, what about this? What about that? You know, I'm a, I'm a good person. Um, I said, I believe you. But there's a lot of good people in this world. So I referenced... Cornelius, good man, 
So those of you that are here today that say, you know what, I'm a good person, I'm a believer, I'm gonna give you some other things to consider from the word of God. Okay? John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now this has become a focal point for many religions. Just this verse. Nothing else. So we're gonna base it on, you know what? The Bible, the inspired word of God, in John 3, 16 says, whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, hallelujah, I can do that. No risk, total reward. Sign me up, right? All I gotta do is believe. Okay, and many people preach that doctrine, and many people believe it. But again, let's look a little further in the word of God in James chapter two and verse 19, talking about believers. Thou believest that there is one God, and thou doest well. You're on the right path. The devil also believe and tremble. Okay, so maybe it's not just believe. Maybe I gotta do more than just believe, right? Well, have a discussion with somebody on John 3, 16. And, and the first thing they're gonna say is, well, I believe. I'm a believer. I hear that all the time. I'm a believer. I know my, my dad gets a kick out of it too. But you're like, okay, well, you, I believe in a lot of things. What do you believe about God? What do you believe he's come to do? What do you believe he wants to do with your life? You believe in him, but does he believe in you? They may say, well, you know, you talk about the devil, because this is one of the scriptures I brought up to him, because he said, well, I'm a believer. I said, well, so is the devil. Is he going to heaven? I guarantee, I mean, he had a face-to-face. He knows there's a God. And then they say, well, that's kind of extreme. You know the devil's not going to heaven. But he believes. And if that's all you're basing your your religion on, I guess you're going to have quite the party with the devil in heaven. Mark 16 and 16, let's take it a little further. Now now we're adding to this a little bit, right? So Mark 16 and 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Well, Still, we're still, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive this home and you're gonna get annoyed with it, but you're gonna leave here. There's one thing you remember, it's gonna be that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And out of the inspired word of God, we see in Mark 16, 16, that it's not just believing. There's more to it. So here's the other thing that, that I, I often hear from people is, well, I was baptized as an infant. Or I was baptized when I got older in the titles. Okay. You know what? According to you, you got two of the three. Right? I mean, that's, but if you look at just this scripture, I believed and I was baptized. And I'm telling you this because this is what I've encountered, and I'm sure some of you have as well. And some of you may be here today, and I may be crushing your whole world right now, but I promise you, I'm gonna build that building right back up. Because God has a ton of promises, 
in the inspired word of God. You just have to know how they all pan out. So we've got, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, right? Now we take it a step further in Acts chapter two. Peter says unto them, after they ask, you know, what, what are we supposed to do, Peter? Peter stands up and he says, you're supposed to repent. Well, hold on now. Now we've added another thing. Okay, so now I'm supposed to believe. I'm supposed to repent. I'm supposed to be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so now we've got, it's not just about believing anymore. It's not just about believing and being baptized. It's about believing, repenting, being baptized, and being filled with the Holy Ghost. I have just prepared every one of you for a Bible study. Congratulations, you can take my notes and you can have a discussion with any person you come in contact with. The reason I'm telling you this is because there is a world that is being confused by what they perceive as religion. They, it's perceived as Christianity, and I'm not, I, I don't want to give us trouble, but there's a lot of fake preachers out there. One very big one in Houston. And I'll tell you what, when you get people that are, I, I think there's this, and I'm, I'm not judging, okay? I'm going to give you the Mike Kiley version here. But I believe the Bible talks very strongly about what will happen to people that teach false doctrine in the name of Jesus and don't, and don't share the complete truth. I do not want to be associated with those people. We are not the same kind of Christian, Okay? And it's important for there to be something that differentiates us. I, th I find it foolish. I guess I'm just going to, I got plenty of time. I'm, I mean, I got like two minutes left. Just kidding. <laughs> but I find it to be ridiculously foolish when I, when I watch sports, which has become more and more annoying to me. I actually find my, I mean, I, I used to love watching basketball and football and baseball and and now I find it almost repulsive um, with, when it's basketball. I, these guys, oh, well, you know, I just want to thank God for giving us this victory. And, you know, two days later, the guy's busted for drunk driving, find out he has an affair with this woman. He's on drugs over here. And I'm like, what kind of Christian are you? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't see that in the inspired word of God where that's the proper lifestyle for a Christian. But it's become so watered down that the only way that we can combat that is with the inspired word of God. Because we are strangers and pilgrims in a foreign land. So again, it's not just about believing. It's not just about being baptized. There's a variety of things that you have to do that are laid out in the word of God to be able to receive the promises that he has for you. But it's up to you. Now, if you think that being God's chosen people is going to be just a walk in the park, you're wrong. And I don't mean this as a negative, but I want you to be prepared. 
When you're saved, again, you become a foreigner, a pilgrim on earth. The Bible talks about enduring persecution and hardships because this is no longer our destination. If you think everyone, everything is going to be peaches and ice cream, why would we need a comforter? Isaiah 43, verse 1 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, God's chosen people. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. It's all solid, right? Let's go to verse 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. Well, why would the rivers be overflowing me? I'm a Christian. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Water, overwhelming water, fire. What happened to bliss? You know, I signed up, I don't know where this part comes, but I signed up for the streets and gold and gates of pearl that are a little further in the back. I was thinking that's where I wanted to kind of go with that, you know? But uh, this, is, this is part of the life that you're signing up for. But if you're prepared, you'll be able to be victorious. Let's talk about the Israelites. We all know that they have not had it easy, right? God continues to make a way for them and for us to receive salvation and to be revealed the promises that he has for us. God does not say, here, I'll give you your reward and I hope you can make it through the rest. You know, we, we see this in the, in the uh, parable of the prodigal. The prodigal says, well, I want my reward now. And what ultimately happens is he takes his inheritance or his reward, and he squanders it. And I think the reason that that's in there is for us to realize that our reward needs to come at the end. And our reward is at the end. That's why it's an inheritance. There's an ending to it. You know, you, not many people give their, get their inheritance when they're, you know, they're 20 years old. And we're sure not gonna get this one unless that's when God decides to come. And again, I'm 42, so it wasn't when I was 20. Getting up there. Just that much closer to it, right? So we see that God's promises are there, but they're not instantaneous. See, we've all gone through some sort of tragedy. Or you will go through some sort of tragedy. We can ask God why, that's fine. But now what are you going to do? God still called you for a purpose. Now this is where I have learned as a, as a married man that sometimes people ask you questions, like your spouse. And I actually find myself sometimes sitting there going, okay, she doesn't want an answer. She doesn't want an answer. Keep your mouth shut. Just listen. 
Just, and I actually have to say it in my mind, and I, I'm not hearing what she's saying, to be honest with you at that point. I'm just like talking myself off the stupid ledge because I know the minute I try to solve it, she's gonna be like, that's not what I needed. And I'm like, then stop talking to me about your problem if you don't want a solution, you know? I think that I don't say it. I'm smarter than that. You know, there's, there's a reason we have premarital classes here. Uh, but what I find difficult is that at some point you finally get there in any relationship where you're kind of like, okay, we've talked about it, you've gone through it, you've laid it out there. Now what are we going to do about it? Yes, there's tragedy. There's tragedy every day in this world. Personal tragedies that occur. But I'm going to ask you this. Again, now what are you going to do? Did God call back his purpose on your life? Did God pull back the anointing that he gave you? No, he didn't. He still empowered you. And now he gave you something else to talk to another person about that may be struggling with the same thing that you are. Here's another one for you, sister mom. Psalm 63 and verse one. Psalm 63 and verse one says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Does that sound like where we're at? When we get out into the world, we're in a place that does not have what we have. It is a dry and thirsty land. So what are you going to do about it? That's the question, right? It's a question nobody really wants to answer. What are you going to do about it? I love having you in the front row. You are awesome. I can count on one person to give me a pre- the, the inspiration here. It's Beth. So how many of you, let me ask you this, because it lays it out there. It says, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee. So if you're going to go out, let me, let me just ask you, if you were going to go out into a desert, how many of you would take a half a canteen? Exactly. So let's look briefly at John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So the way I look at this is that Jesus is continually able to fill us with the water to quench thirst. Okay, Bible will talk about it several times, about your cup overflowing and so forth. So, I'm a visual person, all right? So I'm gonna try and give you a, an analogy or visual here. So, I gotta make sure I don't spill anything out in the electronics, Brother Courtney would kill me. 
Not publicly, but privately. All right, so it's kind of like this. So this morning, I'm feeling pretty good. We're in church. You know, I feel like, we had, I mean, we had a great worship service, you know, and, uh, and the preaching, well, that, that's, we're, we're going to see how that goes. And, uh, and I'm getting all filled up. So, so I got this water going, and now I feel like I'm, I'm ready for, for the day, okay? But it, funny fact, found out yesterday, thank God for Google, um, evaporation. Did you know a cup of water can evaporate in one to two days? I did not. Depending on the surface, depending on what type of water, way too many smart people out there um, that took the time to figure this out. But today, I have a full glass. What am I going to do with this full glass? The thing about this glass of water is that it needs to be replenished on a very frequent basis. But what I need to do with this glass is when I leave this place, or cup, and you'll notice that we have several of these for some reason around my parents' house, big quick trip fans. By the way, they're in the back, cards, all that stuff afterwards. Um, yeah, big quick trip fans. But what you, when you get this with water and, and you're set for the day, what are you gonna do with it? So I go over and, Brother Imel here just happens to have a cup very similar to this one. Again, big Quick Trip fans. And I see that, you know, Brother Imel, Brother Imel might be struggling a little bit here. But I know that I can take the water that I have and I can encourage Brother Imel with what I got out of the service today. And I can make sure that he's got enough to get through the day. Right? Thank you. See, I made it easy. But now I'm, I'm a little lower, right? So, I, you know what? I need to make sure that I'm in the Word. Monday morning comes, I know that I'm going back into that desert. So I better get that water and get filled back up. Because there's Kyle. Kyle's a good guy. You know, we work together. He's pretty full. See, there's a strategy to this. Just bear with me. So I can, I can talk to Kyle, and I can see Kyle. You know what? Kyle, you may need a little bit, but you're doing good, and we can encourage one another. We're not taking from one another, but we can encourage one another. I'll be back for you. Don't go too far. But now we got Brother Bauer over here. Brother Bauer over here, well, he's, he's struggling a little bit more. So I find that, you know what, Brother Bauer? I, knew, I need to encourage you, and, and you know what? We're going to need some help. Yeah. We're going to need some help. So I'm going to need Kyle to come on over here with me because the way that, the way that Jesus gave us this example was that there are things that we are gonna encounter one-on-one, -on -one, but we are more powerful together. And if there are two of us, and I know that Kyle is Kyle's solid, Kyle's got it, we can both help fill Brother Bauer's cup 
and encourage him so that he can be sustained. So you're, before you get this analogy kind of confused, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm giving my Holy Ghost to Brother Bauer. Okay, I'm not, I'm not giving him the Holy Ghost. That's not it. What I'm telling you is this water is supposed to be an example of what we can get every day from God to minister to other people. But if we don't, we're just hoarding it for ourselves. Right? Now, I'm going to need both of you to come with me. Visuals, right? Sorry. Bad error right there. Got to go around. My bad. Now, we have Sister Meyer over here. Luckily, I've known Sister Meyer for a very long time, so she'll be able to take this. This person is going to suck the life out of us. <laughs> right? I mean, there's attitude. There, I mean, if this person could show up to church on time, there's a reason I picked her. She was here for prayer this morning. Okay? So we have, we have there are a lot of these people. There are a lot of these people here. And what, again, this is not a solo act. But if we, can, if we can encourage Sister Meyer and all share some of what we have with her, we find that now we all have something to sustain us in the desert, right? But if we don't share what we have and then recoup it, we're going to be the ones with the empty cup. Thank you. If you go into battle or into the desert with an empty cup, you're going to die. That's right. But how many of you have ever heard the saying, give a man a fish and he will eat for a day? Teach a man to fish, Brother Marty, and he will eat for a lifetime. Right? So we need to teach people to be able to not only get their own water, but then how to share their water with others. That's part of our responsibility. We need to be sharers of the word and what God has given to us. But sometimes, we're just trying to survive. There's water in here, but it ain't going anywhere. Capped. I mean, I can press a button if I want, and some will trickle out. But if I'm not willing to share with, with other people what I have, I'm just surviving. Now this, this may last me a little bit. I mean, I got a top on it. Nobody's getting access to it. I can probably nurse this for a week, maybe, and see how it goes. But this attitude will end up costing you your salvation. Because if you are not willing to share with others or receive the new water that God has for you, you will become stagnant. And what happens with stagnant water is it fills with bacterias, 
It fills with all this grime, and eventually, your spirit becomes tainted. And then you're starting to look for flaws in other people that can justify your decisions and your actions. When if what you would do is take the cover off of that and say, you know what, I need something. I need, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this water out because I need some fresh water. And then I'm gonna take that water and I'm gonna share it with somebody else. Because you know what, no matter what tragedy I've gone through and no matter how far in the desert I am, if I've got some water and I can share it and save somebody else's life as well, I need to do it. Because that's the great commission. <laughs> Go ye into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature. And there are gonna be times, and I, I know it, there are gonna be times when we need every last drop of water out of that that we can get. But that's also the time that we need to go encourage ourselves in the Lord. And surround ourselves with positive people that can uplift us and encourage us and can help us through those times. Because we're all gonna go through trials. We're all gonna have grief. We're all gonna have tribulations. Bible says that. But we can encourage one another. And we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. There's so much more in you than just being a Sunday morning church attendee. Again, you may not think you have the ability, but God has and will provide you what you need when you need it. But you have to be willing. And what are you willing to do to make sure others have an opportunity to receive the promises that you were aware of. See, if, if this is your first time ever being here this morning, I want to encourage you, again, that you've been called. No man cometh to God lest the Spirit of God draws him. God's drawing you. But this is what he's requiring. Repent. Be baptized. Name of Jesus Christ for the mission of your sins and then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And here's some of the promises that he has for you. In Acts chapter two and verse 39, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God has performed and continues to perform miracles every day. He keeps his promises every day. Brother Meyer talked about it this morning. For those of you that weren't here, that's a bummer. I, honest to God, you're going into this week with half a canteen when you could have been full. Because he talked about being thankful. You know, it's not just, and he talked about, you know, entering into the presence of God, being thankful. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Well, we need to enter every day being thankful for what God has given to us and what God has done for us. You know, I am thankful that after 42 years, I can come here and I know just about everybody here, and I would call you friend, even if we were outside of here. There's a lot of people, I mean, there, I can tell you that there are a lot of people in this world that can count how many friends they have on, on one hand. 
I'm thankful that I can come to a place and be encouraged. I'm thankful that I can come to a place where a worship team gets over on the side of after practice and prays in the spirit of God for, for 15 or 20 minutes to make sure that this, that this place is prepared for when visitors and people that didn't think that nine o'clock was an important time to get here. And I'll be available in the back if you wanna have this discussion afterwards, but I can tell you this, that, that we really need to, as a church body, make sure that we're here at nine o'clock. You're missing an important part of your strength and life-building materials, whether it's teaching, whether it's an hour of prayer, because this is what it's about, folks. After this, if you just leave this place and you're gonna show up on Wednesday for your fill-up, I hope you make it. Because I can guarantee you, Wednesday, there's gonna be a ton of things that come up. Work, car problems, kids. There's always something. And if you don't have the strength and the motivation to get there, you probably won't show up. I mean, I know, I know most, most people here probably get up very early during the week and you look at Sunday as, well, I can get another hour. Well, congratulations, get up an, extra, an, hour, an hour later and then still get here by nine o'clock because most of you get up at like five. Most of you, some of you men that I know on a regular basis have no problem getting up at five o'clock in the morning. I hate it. I'm a seven o'clock man. And if you make me get up at 6.30, watch out at nine. If I don't have my coffee, we're gonna have a problem. But here's the thing, is that we need to make it a priority for our spiritual welfare and to make sure that our cup is full when we leave this place to go out there. Hebrews 13, five through six. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's a promise. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. It's a promise. John 14, verses one through three. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That's a pretty powerful promise. Why don't you stand with me this morning? 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. That's quite a sequence of promises. First he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he's going to come and take us. That's some pretty impressive promises. So I want to encourage you today to make sure you fill up. Make sure you fill up. And then find someone to invest in. Make the time. It may take years. That's why they call it an investment. And ask yourself this question. Is that person worth your time? Because I think in most cases you'll find that they are. But you've got to make the effort. Share what you have with other people. And God will continue to bless you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your awesome presence in this place today. I thank you for keeping your hand upon us continually. I thank you, Lord, for your word, the inspired word of God that encourages us, that leads us, that directs us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to speak to each and every one of us to be able to share with others what you've given us, to receive what you've proposed. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.